hello world. Welcome to another edition of Mr. Speaker Speaks, the podcast that educates your mind. I'm your host, the one and only Vincent T. Edwards, better known as Mr. Speaker. My guest today is Dr. Gabrielli, and we're going to talk about managing in times of crisis. Uh, But like always here on this podcast, we'll start out with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the rain. We thank you for the birds that chirp. And we thank you for, oh, in my neighborhood, it's just so lovely to see the 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 owls at night and they're on the and the and, and the the birds just flying i just thank you for that lord and it's just so wonderful just to see nature and today lord i just ask that you just guide this conversation i mean my guest is such a wonderful person just let her share information that will be truly beneficial to the listening audience as we talk about something today that is so needed in this very time god just let your holy spirit lead this conversation and now lord i just ask for a special blessing upon my guest god open up doors for her this day lord that she can reach more people teach more people expand her horizons oh god expand her business and i would just give you all the praise and all the glory in your son jesus name we pray Amen. Amen. The inspirational verse of scripture today that I'm going to use before I introduce my guest today is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. To everything there's a season. And we are definitely in a different season I just want to welcome back to the podcast, my friend, oh, Dr. Gabrielli. Um, She's been here before. You know, she's a dynamic educator, an author, CEO, coach, speaker. Um, She earned her doctoral degree in educational psychology. She is just an expert in leadership. And today we're going to talk about managing change in times of crisis. Dr. How you doing today? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing just wonderful. It's so good to see you again, your smiling face. <laughs> good to see you too. For, we're socially distanced for anyone listening. Yes, we, yes, are. we are. We've never been this far apart I doing know. a radio show. <laughs> I know. We are far apart. We are very far <laughs> apart. It's so good to have you here. This whole concept today we're going to talk to my listening audience about is managing change in times of crisis. You know, we're in the midst of the coronavirus civil unrest economic challenges a lot of things going on teleworking telecommuting so when you talk about managing change in times of crisis what does that really mean you managing changes in how we do business or are we managing what we call the current state of affairs and current operations We are managing every single aspect of our lives right now. And actually, we're going through trauma. We're going through multiple traumas at the same time. And so what I've found is that for those people who have undergone trauma in the past, especially that this is an an intense time for them, this is an especially difficult time for them because it's bringing up all those feelings of trauma. And I don't think a lot of people recognize that this is trauma. Our whole lives have been you know, completely turned upside down with COVID-19. And um, unfortunately, there are people out there who don't even, you know, there are some people who are claiming it doesn't exist. But I don't know about you, but I personally know six people in my town in the past week alone who've been diagnosed. And one is fighting for his life, and he's 24 years old, no pre-existing conditions, fighting for his life. And so I encourage everyone to be responsible and take care of others as well as yourself that's that's really key during this time that is truly truly true i mean you know i was talking with someone about that in the whole concept of wearing mask and i said you know am i my brother's keeper yes you know and the the answer to that question is most definitely yes um you know so we have to do 
that which is right. You know, my grandmother used to say, right is right if you're the only one doing it. And it just, you know, and wrong is wrong, even if everybody is doing it. Right. So we need to do the right thing. So talk to us. What exactly is this concept of change management? Is that what we're going through? Are there stages of change? We are going through so much change right now that it's kind of overwhelming, even for people who normally are well adjusted to having change happen in their lives. They're just let's just focus on COVID first. We have multiple crises going on at the same time, but let's just focus on that because I think that really was the first real change that caused lots of other changes in our lives. Yeah, total disruptor. Total disruptor. Um, the way we interact with people, uh, staying home from going to restaurants, from going to offices, from t- vacations. I know I had. I was supposed to be in. Uh, St. Thomas just uh, last week and that got canceled you know just everything about our lives just stopped but I believe in all my heart that this pause is for a reason I believe that we as a society have been moving way too fast we haven't been taking care of ourselves we haven't been taking care of our brothers we haven't been taking care of our sisters we haven't been taking care of the planet we have just been going 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 so fast and this pause has given people an opportunity and here's the thing about change you have you have a choice when it comes to change you can embrace it and look at it as an opportunity you can fuss about it and complain to everybody (laughs) or you can do nothing and just pretend like it's not happening and the most resilient people when it comes to change see it as an opportunity it's an opportunity how how many people spent this much time with their families before how many people took care of their homes i i know a lot of people are doing you know, home improvement projects. Yeah, I hear contractors are busy. They're like, I've <laughs> never been so busy. It's like everybody is, is home. Right. You know, so you hear this term, the new normal, and for right now, and then everybody wants to go back to normal. And when I hear you say this whole concept of a pause to really take a look at it, and I, I saw somewhere somebody says, was that really normal? what we were that's a good doing. question you know, what, it didn't really re- seem normal did it <laughs> it was it wasn't normal i mean we would spend all this time at the office no time with family no time right. with but now the new normal is we're all together yeah so do we really want to go back to i the old num- i old hope norm- i hope that people learn from this and that once we're clear if people would actually be responsible and and help stop the spread of the virus because there are people out there who refuse to wear a mask because it interferes with their personal rights and freedoms they say and unfortunately what they're doing is they're just spreading it and and we in the state of florida have seen firsthand how our numbers were good and they escalated out of control they are out of control and it's because people are not being responsible and when you said you know are you are we your, our brother's keeper yes we we have to look out for other people and you know it's happening that in our town and it's pretty representative of a lot of cities in in the nation um, the demographics are changing and the highest number of infected people in our city are ages 15 to 24 and the second highest is ages 25 to 34 now what does that tell you what's happening I th- the, the the young the young younger generation they were bottled up and they were ready to <laughs> go ready out, to get out of there. <laughs> and, I and so and that. so as soon as everything opened up they just boom. Boom. yeah and and I get it. I mean, I I do. I understand you maybe have a little cabin fever. Go do something outdoors. You know, don't gather even close to somebody. I've been uh, spending a lot more time with nature lately and, you know, hiking. Today I was scuba diving. um, But I carpooled with two people who were very, very responsible, mother and son. And we all wore masks in the car. You know, we're, we socially distanced on land. We were very responsible trying to help protect each other. And so we just have to adjust to this new normal, which I must admit in the beginning, I didn't think it was going to last this long. I really did believe that in you know, 30 days or so, we would be back to normal, our I, so-called normal. I, 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 I 
in my heart, I knew, I just felt it was yeah, gonna last. I knew it was long. gonna last too, but I, you know, I hope, hope and and you know <laughs> what your gut tells you were two different things, right? So I hoped it was going to be over quickly, but the reality is that people have to be more responsible in order for that to happen. This is never going to go away on its own. We have to be responsible. We have to take care of ourselves and we have to do what's best for other people. And that includes, even if it's a little uncomfortable, wearing a mask. I can tell you my friend who's fighting for his life right now, he, he he's on oxygen. He's not on a ventilator, but every breath is a struggle. Every breath. He's not able to talk. You know, think about it. 24 years old, previously perfectly healthy guy, no pre-existing conditions. It could happen to anyone if it can happen to him. So when we look at managing change, and let's deal with it from a a personal and family perspective at first before we transition to the business world, Mm -hmm. how has this change really, uh, this crisis, affected the average household, and what can they do to manage it? It's affected the average household in so many ways. Um, One of the most obvious ways is economically. A lot of people are struggling right now. Um, uh, People who worked in service industry jobs uh, obviously don't have anywhere to go right now to work. Um, There are many people who are struggling to have adequate food supplies. Um, it's, It's a whole different world that we're living in right now. Hopefully, you are aware of the resources in whatever community you live in. I can tell you that so many nonprofit organizations, churches, um, food banks are going out of their way to make sure that everybody is fed. Uh, it's not comfortable when you need to do that. It's maybe a little awkward for you if you've never had to ask for food before. But you have to take care of yourself. And if you have a family, you have to take care of your family. And so please take advantage of the resources that are out there. So economically, certainly, uh, massive changes are happening. Hopefully what people are doing in adjusting to the financial impact of this crisis is making changes in the way they used to spend money. Because I I know people would spend $5 on a a coffee somewhere, and then they'd go out to lunch, and they would spend. And I've always tried to teach people in with regard to leadership that that's not a great way to spend your money you want to save you want to make your own food and so i'm my life hasn't changed that much because i really didn't interact a lot at restaurants and bars and that kind of thing because i don't like to to waste money Uh, but i know that a lot of people it's hard for them they would go out to restaurants all the time suddenly they have no money some are still getting takeout or dining even many restaurants are now reopened and they're dining out but if you're financially struggling now is the time to get the help that you need and to make changes in the way that you manage money so that when things get better and you are employed again or you do have a revenue stream coming in that you're better equipped to use the the, the extra money to help save and prepare for your future and ideally become debt free and live a life that's maybe a simpler life than what we've been leading with the with kids being home and Mm. people working from home that's a great impact how what tips or strategies can you give to parents that are having to work and homeschool and they've never taught a class in their life I gotta say parents have stepped up this is you, you know teachers really have always been undervalued but I think now more than ever parents are recognizing how important teachers are and teachers are having to step up and and adapt I I must say the education system uh, has adapted incredibly well so many schools around the nation changed so quickly almost overnight they went from brick and mortar to online learning and some did so better than others, but the the fact is that they they adapted really quickly, and they they did so well. Now, as for parents, it's a lot. It's a lot because the stress and the trauma that we're experiencing right now, combined with the fact that you have this added responsibility of making sure that your child is educated in your care, and even if you're you're working from home, then you're needing to manage the children at home while working. It's a lot to take on. I know what do many you do? Parents are Anything stressed. that you can recommend? I mean, what what do they do? Even if 
to, to alleviate some of the I mean, how do they manage this? This I, is a, a huge impact. Yeah, I think if, if at all possible, you've got to you've got to break the learning into chunks and then take breaks, maybe outdoor breaks, you know, outdoor breaks, let the energy out. Um, just try to not stay cooped up so much and get outside. Nature is amazing. Nature is healing. It's a fact. There's a lot of science that backs that up that it is very good for you to be outside. But also if there is somebody in your household who can help you or somebody maybe outside your household who you know is COVID negative who can help you in any way, I think that now is the time to ask for help. Extended family, um, you know, grandparents, other people maybe who can can take the load off a little bit because it's a lot to bear. And uh, I do see um, people neglecting themselves uh, when it comes to self-care during this time a lot, especially parents, especially people who are overwhelmed with child, child care and, and finances and COVID changing their lives in every way possible. Yeah, I know some people are, are dealing with that. I've heard of the freshman 15, but <laughs> I call it the COVID-19 <laughs> for co a reason. The COVID-19. COVID yes, I needed to socially distance myself from my refrigerator for the first 30 days, I would say. <laughs> Question. You know, the term social distancing. Yeah, it's really not a good term, is it? Yeah, it's I was actually a, about physical distancing. physical distance. Because you can social. You can be just as social as you ever were. In fact, some people have embraced the change in a way that they are communicating better with people. So they're, they're FaceTiming, they're Zooming, they're whatever. They're using technology to connect with people maybe that they had lost touch with. And so it can be very powerful. So what do you think the impact of having everybody to move into this online virtual world <laughs> of work and, you know, play? Cause it takes I mean a toll, Vincent. I have to say, so... Uh, I did both my master's thesis and my doctoral dissertation on distance learning. Those were my topics. And I, so I, I'm pretty savvy with it. And I've developed online learning content for, for many years, for 20 years actually. And, and uh, yet I find myself overwhelmed when I have seven online meetings in, in a day. It's exhausting. You have to be on, the camera's on you. You, you. It's really exhausting to have that many meetings and to be that plugged in. How, but how, challenge, how much more challenging is that? Because I know people have meetings all day when it right. was face-to-face. -face. Is there a, a big difference? Is there more of a physical or mental impact there when is meeting more of a mental online yes. rather than meeting face-to-face? It, -face? it drains your brain more. What I have learned, a strategy that has worked for me, is whenever possible, if it's a meeting that I'm not facilitating where 100% of my attention doesn't need to be on the meeting, I will go for a walk. So I'll walk my dog during ones where I know I'm going to be more passive, and then I'm getting my steps in, and I'm, I don't feel as drained, and, you know, it, it does help. I can still listen. I can still participate, but um, it gives me a little break from – because I, I personally end up facilitating a lot of meetings, and that's – to me, that's the most draining is when you're responsible for everybody and – that basically you're orchestrating the logistics and the the video production and just everything at the same time. So is, it's more entailed holding a, a virtual meeting? Definitely. It's definitely more draining. Mm. Moving to the business arena, professional setting, teleworking. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody all of a sudden moving to an online platform to work, the impact on IT <laughs> um, at the mm -hmm. job. How do you now manage your operations effectively and efficiently without adding extra layers now that that person is physically distant from you? How do you do that as a leader? Well, first, let me say that I have always been a fan of telecommuting, even before it was, you know, the cool thing to do. I worked for a, a state government agency that was very against it, and I advocated for one of my employees who was going to leave the organization, uh, and I got the very first ever telecommuting employee in that state agency by writing a lot of letters and proving that she was doing the work that was required 
but I, I think that what you need to do is uh, set expectations, just as you would in person, but set really clear expectations about what it means to work from a distance. For example, many employers I know have been giving their employees more flexibility with telecommuting. They know that they're managing children at home. They're, so they're saying, look, instead of 8 to 5, I need you to be present during, you tell me which three hours in the day you're going to be able to, you know, be accessible. And then the rest of the time you can flex as long as you get your work done. And so I think that's a good approach. And I actually think it's an approach that makes people happier. It makes people more productive. And it gives people freedom to take care of things during the day that they didn't have the ability to do before. And what I've found and what I've learned is that in some uh, places, they've added an extra layer of, you know, time accountability, time right. keeping, keeping track of this, things that they didn't even keep track of while you were in the office. Why is that so important if the individual, while working at home, is doing exactly what mm -hmm. they did in the office? Why, from a management perspective, mm -hmm. is that extra layer needed? I think it's needed in organizations that aren't very forward-thinking, <laughs> that aren't very innovative. I think in innovative organizations, this is not a new concept. Uh, my hope is that people will recognize that it's really about output. It's about pro productivity. It's not about time. Um, when you're in an office, quite frankly, the, the time can get sucked away from you pretty quickly when people step into your office and ask you questions or you go to get some coffee and you, you chit chat around the, the coffee machine and time can get away from you pretty quickly in, in an office environment. Uh, not that there aren't distractions at home, but what I've found is that people are able to manage things better. Uh, some people struggle with it because it is a drastic change for them, but for those who've ever had the opportunity in the past to work a day from home or you know, a little bit, this is not something that's unwelcome. I do think people miss the interactions in the workplace but my hope is that workplaces will recognize that people are being more productive at least just as productive as they were in the office and maybe think about letting people when all this is over continue to telecommute a certain number of days per week um, maybe even maybe even permanently but certainly to give that as an option so that people will have less impact on the environment they're going to have more time because that telecommuting time is cut out of their day. I mean, for some people, it's a lot. And we happen to live in a city that's not that big. But even, you know, even at the, in the worst case scenario where we live, it's probably one hour commute round trip. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario. I know people in big cities are spending six hours a day commuting. Seriously. Six, six hours, hours a, a day? day on a train. And yeah. In New York. I used to live in New York. You know, it's it's intense it's really intense and those who drive themselves your six hours might turn into more than that if you get stuck on the lie or whatever you know so um so we're, we're pretty spoiled living in a city that is a little bit smaller where we don't have huge commute times but just think about that if it's one hour a day that's five days five days a week that's five hours right there and then you take it times 52 and my goodness, that's a lot of extra hours you could have had in your day doing things that are more important. None. And again, not having environmental impact, not putting yourself at risk for car crashes or other problems that happen when people are all on the road at the same time. What's the difference between management and leadership? Mm -hmm. um, are there different skill sets required in leading in times of change? Yes and managing in times of change? My view of a leader is somebody who positively influences other people. So when you have someone who is a leader in an organization, they're someone who steps up. They're innovative. They've already probably been doing some of these things like telecommuting, they've, they've flexing time, giving employees more uh, leeway, having check-ins but not being a micromanager. The leaders understand that when you equip your people for success and there's mutual respect and clear expectations that the output, the productivity is going to be excellent. When people are happy, they're productive. Man managers, well, you manage things, you lead people, right? So 
managers, people who are just managers who don't care about leadership, unfortunately, we have a lot of them uh, in organizations, in government, and even in nonprofits, we have pe people who just want to manage and they are more concerned with the numbers than with the people. And right now, more than ever, you have to be concerned with the people. You have to recognize that your people are going through a crisis. Your people are going through a trauma. A lot of impacts are happening in the household financially, health-wise. They may have a family member who's sick with COVID. They may have, you know, added responsibilities of homeschooling and so many issues that come to light as a result of this crisis. And these are uncharted waters so to speak are there any skill sets that are really really required um, in order to get through this excellent communication skills are at the top of the list they've always been at the top of the list but this is a whole new level <laughs> of, of necessary communication skills when you're managing for example a remote workforce and you've never done that before it is more challenging initially until you get the knack for managing your responsibilities and leading your people. Is there any particular th steps that you could recommend that someone can do to improve their virtual communication skills, so to speak? Well, I think it is important to have those touch points with your people. I have seen in some cases people who are too hands-off and they're not checking in and people kind of feel like they're on an island by themselves having to take care of things. So. It, I think it's important to have those check-ins, but not to have these really long meetings. You know, uh, in organizations, often there are way too many meetings, and when you switch to online, you've got to tighten them up. You've got to you've got to really focus on what is necessary and not have too much extra stuff that's going to make people become exhausted from the engagement of their their brain in the online world. Uh, the the service industry, hospitality industry, has taken a, a huge hit mm. during this time. And what I think about are conferences, um, large-scale events. Yeah. How do you manage that now in this time of change? I mean, you people would pay lots of money to attend conferences, but what do, what do you do now if you're a conference planner? I, uh, I do plan conferences, <laughs> and I've had several events canceled as a result of this. And I think initially we go virtual. I've been, I participated in some virtual events that they've done a very good job. I, think, I do think you need to rethink your pricing structure. I know one organization I belong to switched from uh, in-person to online and they're charging the exact same amount, but you don't have the luxury of coffee breaks and lunch together and, you know, uh, the socialization. And I, I think you've got to rethink your pricing structure, for one, because all the expenses of having rooms and AV and that kind of thing are not needed anymore. So um, how do you manage a an online conference I mean what do you do well how there are many uh, platforms available and in leading online conferences so there are a lot of tools out there that are available and some are very very good so I suggest you look into what your needs are based on how big your conference is uh, certainly you can use breakout rooms and all kinds of things that you you could use in the in the real world but personally I don't think they need to be as long because I have, since all this started, I've taken part in events that have been eight hours, and I am just zapped at the end of eight hours of online. Whereas in person, you know, I would still have a little bit of energy left at the end of the day. So I do think you need to make it tighter. You need to um, really have interactivity instead of just broadcasting something. It needs to be interactive. You need to find ways to engage people, no matter how big it is, whether it's virtual breakout rooms or polling or uh, having people have the ability to ask questions, you need to draw them in more in the online world. Where do you see this going? I think we are going to see a lot of the changes that we've implemented because we had to change. We're going to see it continue. I do think people miss meeting online. 
um, sorry, meeting in person. I, I think people miss conferences. I think people miss hugs. I think people miss human contact. And I, I, I do think that when we are clear of this, that a lot of activities will resume, but the way that it resumes will be different. For example, hugs and handshakes. How do we know? that that is something that's going to continue. I know that sounds crazy to even think about it, but one of the classes I was supposed to teach that was canceled was a business etiquette class for college students. And I've always taught how to give a good handshake. Well, guess what? In the era of, the era of COVID, we're not handshaking. We're not even fist bumping. You know, we're, we're avoiding contact. So what's next? That, I, I don't have the answer for that yet, but I can tell you that the way that we communicate is going to change as a result permanently. I don't think this is a temporary thing. I think that after COVID, there's going to be other viruses that unfortunately are going to throw us right back to where we are now. We just have to be better prepared. We were not prepared for this, even though this is something that should not have surprised anyone. Looking back to the Spanish flu, you know, almost 80 years ago, 82 years ago, right? 1918. 1918. Thinking back to then and what happened then, we're repeating history in many ways because we didn't pay attention. And even under President Bush, there was uh, talk of an outbreak like this and what, what they would do, a pandemic. Uh, and a lot of documents were written, a lot of prep was done, a lot of information was shared. So it's not anything new. We're looking back, you know, how many years ago was Bush in office. There was a lot of things put in place, but then I think people just kind of got relaxed with their comfort zone and forgot about it. And so under um, Barack Obama, those kinds of things continued. And then under Trump, and it, this is not a political thing, I'm just saying this is the fact, the, um, everything kind of changed. Uh, we, it was disbanded, and, and so we weren't as prepared. And when we did have early warnings that this was coming, we should have we prepared. We should have enabled the United States to find ways to produce PPE ourselves so we didn't have to rely on other places. We should have started transforming our lives in preparation for it. But instead, we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and there were deniers, and there were poor leaders across the nation. There were poor leaders in organizations. There were poor leaders in government who didn't do anything until it was too late. And that's why we're in the position that we're in right now. It really does stem down to leadership. When you look at what other countries are doing and what their response was, it's completely different in how they handled it. You normally have that natural attrition in organizations, but do you think this situation will greatly impact it? For example, being forced to online platforms, being forced to do things differently, do you think the, the workforce will change and people will say, you know, I think I'm going to go ahead and retire now. I don't want to be a part of this um, because they don't readily embrace this virtualness of how operations are taking place now? I think for some people, that's always going to be their reaction when change is forced on them, is that they're just going to say, I'm out of here, whether it's retirement or, you know, change of career or whatever. I think there are some people who don't respond well to change, and that's going to be th their, their thing. I have seen older people embrace it. I have seen people that you wouldn't think would have embraced this change do so and it's been impressive my dad is a good example my my dad uh you know was a international speaker and when all this happened in march he was in brazil giving kids hugs everywhere everywhere he goes and i warned him i'm like dad it's getting very bad you need to come home and he said, oh, it's not, you know, because he was over in Brazil for mm. a few weeks. He, he didn't hear the news. He didn't know. And, and then he got word that there were cases arising in Brazil. And, and he said, I, you're right. I need to get out of here. <laughs> and we couldn't get him out. And it was pretty scary because then it very quickly escalated. 
and he ended up having to it, it took a lot but we get, ended up getting him another like one-way ticket home to leave early to get out of there because all his events started being canceled and he came back and my dad is a military guy you know he is um, a lifelong Republican and he wears a mask I'm just saying this is why I'm saying this is not this is not a political thing it's not a matter of politics it's a matter of humanity he came home he had to quarantine because his girlfriend is a nurse. He had to quarantine for 14 days. She was not allowed to go to work because she works with an elderly uh, client, uh, elderly population. And so he he's embraced the change. He's now doing online. He's I taught him how to use Zoom, and he's Zooming, and he's WebExing, and he, he's doing the same stuff that he was doing before, but he's learning about technology. And so... Uh, not to say that if my dad can do it, anyone can, but um, certainly I think that you have a choice when it comes to change. You can embrace it, you can say I'm out of here, or you can complain about it. I choose to embrace it. I choose to try to teach my leadership clients to embrace it, uh, especially when the change, there's nothing you can do about it other than you know make those three choices. Yeah. And speaking of your leadership, Academy, what are some of the things that you can share with us today that you've shared with them on this topic and how to get through this crisis, how to deal with uh, managing change during this time? Well, one of the things is resilience. And resilience is the ability to, to return supposedly to the original state after being stretched or bent. <laughs> I don't but, think that's possible. It's like right. sometimes when your mind's expanded, it can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> I think that resilience today really means embracing change going through adversity and coming out better not returning to your normal state coming out better finding new skill sets adapting you know with the extra time that we have what are you doing with that time are you spending more time with your family I hope so are you getting outside and exercising more going for walks enjoying nature I hope so are you learning? Are you learning? You know, there, there are many opportunities for online learning right now that are wide open to the public that are free. And now's the perfect time to learn a new skill set, to adjust, and in many cases to pivot your career, to take it to a whole new level because there are opportunities out there. Do you think this crisis will open up new opportunities and old ways of doing things will just become obsolete and will it set the stage for a new type of manager or leader that's required? I do think that it's going to change. I think unfortunately with change what happens is for some people they're just going to go back to their old ways because that's com comfort, right? I have a saying, true transformation to leadership begins when people overcome fears and self-limiting beliefs to get out of their comfort zone and into their strength zone. And so we've been way too comfortable for too long. And so when I, in, in the beginning, we talked about this being a pause. Embrace the pause. This pause is a gift. It doesn't feel like it all the time because there's a lot of stress around it. But this pause is an opportunity to make positive changes in your own life, personally and professionally. And so really think about how happy were you before this began? Where do you see where do you see yourself? What's your dream? You know, what is something that you've always wanted to do? And for whatever reason that little voice inside your head told you you couldn't do it. Do it. Do it. Now's the time to do it. Wow. Resilience. I I, I like that um that that word um because it's just a part of a quote that I I love by attribute to Dr. Martin Luther King with regard to leaders, you know must be tough enough to fight yet tender enough to cry uh sure enough to make mistakes yet humble enough to admit them strong enough to absorb the pain yet resilient enough to bounce back and to keep on moving and in order to keep on moving i guess you have to to learn um from things that are going on what are some of the lessons that can be learned during this pause i think probably the most important lesson is that we were all so busy before that we weren't focused on what was important to us 
what matters most to you, right, <laughs> Vincent? <laughs> what matters most? <laughs> Think about it. Make a list of the things, the people that matter most to you, and ask yourself if you were focused enough on those things before this crisis, and has your focus changed since this crisis? I would hope, I would hope that this pause has given you an opportunity to reflect on that and to understand that this gift that we have of the pause is a chance to change your life, to practice self-care, to really spend time with people who matter a lot to you that you didn't spend adequate enough quality time with before. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be in person even just connecting with people, uh, even in the virtual world, but also to grow yourself, to grow your mind, to grow your spirituality, to grow your skills, so that when we come out of this, you are equipped to pivot along with what this pandemic has caused us to pivot. Based on your experience, and people have the opportunity to, to do things and to take advantage of things, you know, I'm not going to hold you to this number, but what percentage of the people do you think will really take advantage of the pause, hmm. use it to their benefit so that when they come out of the pause, they can pursue their dreams? Well, based on research, <laughs> I would say the, the Pareto principle applies here. Oh, and it's my gonna be, goodness. Unfortunately, it's only going to be, I know, <laughs> it's only going to be 20% of the people are actually going to have taken full advantage of the pause and come out of it in a really positive way. Be part of the 20%. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that Pareto principle. I can't, know. It's you, true, you though. Can't, can't, can't escape it. You can't. What? can you say being the the coach that you are to inspire people to take advantage of the pause so I, I, I and i guess i look at it this way in order to to take advantage of the pause how can you make them feel pain well i think we all probably felt pain in the beginning of this especially we talked about gaining weight right <laughs> you know we we in the beginning i think it w it was trauma it was an instant crisis that changed our lives we didn't have a choice and then i think we started to process it and as we started to process it some people unfortunately went down a path that was not good they went down a negative path they uh started drinking too much and you know eating too much and not taking care of themselves and they kept that going other people at a point said you know what <laughs> i'm not going to keep on like this this is an opportunity wake up this is an opportunity and i'm going to use my time more wisely rather than sitting around and watching you know tv and catching hey, you up you gotta on, binge watch all these yeah, programs online you know <laughs> all the new streaming right. oh my goodness there's so know. many things so but many th but at the same time wow what a great opportunity to get outside and enjoy nature and uh the healing power that nature has in bringing clarity to you about what's next for you and so I would say in order to hopefully inspire people that we are going through multiple crises right now. We haven't really touched on the other big crisis that's happening yet. But out of this, I think, is an opportunity for true transformation in your life and in the world. And let me know when you want to shift gears to the other crisis, because uh, I think it's huge. Yeah, we, we can we can do that. But right now, I want to just take a moment and, and plug yeah. and do it. Just a, a plug. How can you and your business, your consulting company, help my listening audience? What is it that you do? How can you help them in this time of managing change? I help people figure out their why. You know, do you know why you're here? Do you know what your purpose is in life a lot of people don't but I help people figure out their why and then figure out the goals required to get them the action items the the steps that it's gonna take to get them to where they want to be in some cases they don't know where they want to be and in that case I help them figure out where they want to be and and my gift is helping other people find their gift and live their gift and so I have thankfully been able to continue my coaching virtually in a way that 
I've seen people change their lives. I've, I've worked with a lot of people who've been depressed from this, um, who have questions their whole world in the way that this change hit them. But I can tell you that my clients have come out of it better. And I think that they're more equipped for the next big crisis, um, that they're going to be able to handle it better. How can they find out more about you and potentially become a client? So my name is Gabrielle Gabrielli, and you can go to GabrielleConsulting.com, and you'll see lots of information there if you are interested. Hmm. And I highly recommend it. <laughs> Thank you. You were in my leadership <laughs> academy, Vincent, right? So. <laughs> okay, so we're doing full disclosure. I was trying to be low-key <laughs> and just be the interviewer. Oh, <laughs> the best people have been in my leadership academy through the years, and you're one of them, and I'm, I'm really thankful that you were in it and that uh, you continue to inspire and help other people grow in the way that you do. And, you know, it's, it, it's very rewarding to work as a coach to help people live their passion, to live their dream. And if they don't know what their passion and their dream is, to help them figure that out and then live it. Because what I think was happening before this crisis is that people were just going through the motions. Mm. They were thriving on busy. They didn't really have a sense of purpose. And in many cases, the very people who mattered most to them, they were neglecting their time with them. They were just too busy to spend time with the people who mattered. And I've heard it. I, I hear it all the time from people before this crisis, especially. They would say, I would say, what are you doing to take care of yourself in terms of exercise? I don't have time to exercise. Do you know what that is, That what that means? It's not, it's a, priority. not a priority. <laughs> when you go home and you tell people, I don't have time to talk to you right now. I'm working on a deadline. What, what, it, what are you saying? You're saying you are not, are a, not a priority. priority. And so what has this crisis forced us to do? Hopefully, it's forced us to take a closer look at how we were spending our time and how we need to pivot our lives so that knowing that our time on this earth is limited, that we're doing what we love and that we are spending time with people we love and that we're also taking care of ourselves. Where do you want to go next in this conversation? I mean, we've, we've been going at it. Oh, my goodness. Time is just flying. Time is flying. How long have we been talking? Oh, we're about 47, 48 minutes. Oh, my minutes. goodness. <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. It's great. What, what else would you like to interject with this whole concept of managing change? I mean, we've talked about the pandemic. We've got civil unrest, and we've got the economic side yeah. of things. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different possible crises that happen in, in people's lives. Um, Natural is one. So guess what? It's hurricane season. <laughs> I'm sorry to inform you. You know, <laughs> for those of you living in any part of the world where it's hurricane or tsunami season, this potentially could be devastating because yes. what happens if you have to do an, an evacuation? Right. And we're still dealing with COVID. How right. does that impact people sheltering together? Exactly. Well, it's happened in, in some places where they've had tornadoes where they had to adjust and it was difficult, you know, to social distance people in a, a shelter. So you're right. I don't think we know, but I do think we need to prepare and we probably need to open up more shelters than we ever did before. And how do you prepare for the unknown? How do you prepare for the unknown? I think that you have to understand that the unknown is always going to come at you. And the more equipped you are to embrace change and to use it, hopefully, as an opportunity than the next change that comes along because this isn't going to be it. This isn't going to be the biggest change in our lives, Vincent, unfortunately. It's not? <laughs> oh, There's something bigger on the horizon? There, uh, I'm afraid to say, but there is probably going to be a lot of bigger things on the horizon than this. If this feels big now because we haven't had anything this big in a really long time, not in our lifetimes, most people. No, I mean, I, So. I mean, I, what's the... the but Most so natural, natural crises, personal crises. I know people who are going through a personal crises. Sometimes these changes that are inflicted on us bring out depression, suicidal thoughts, um, addiction, uh, a lot of personal issues that result in major crises. And, I, and for those individuals, I strongly encourage you to get help. 
um, to talk to somebody, to get a therapist. It's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness when you ask for help. And so that's another kind of crisis that can happen. Financial crisis, many people, I think, during this pandemic are experiencing financial crisis. Quite frankly, in our world right now, I think that we are heading in the direction of probably getting into a recession based on, on, on how prolonged this is going to be. A health crisis is another kind of crisis that could happen. You could have a health crisis in the midst of all this that maybe isn't even COVID-related, and the way that you get care is different. So True. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know this firsthand. Um, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And so, uh, you know, and, and sometimes people look at us, and we look healthy, and they just make assumptions about our health. But mm -hmm. quite frankly, we're in the more vulnerable population that if we were exposed to this virus it would not go well for us you know um people are neglecting their health in many ways because they're concerned that to go to a hospital yeah. um, and potentially expose themselves to a virus uh, they're neglecting themselves but health crises are real and they can happen so um and then we have technological crises which are kind of self-explanatory organizational crises have you ever worked in an organization before where there was a major crisis? Oh, yes. Like, like a crisis every <laughs> right. day. It's like, how do you prevent it? You got to do a little bit of planning over yeah. here. No. Um, ethical crises hmm. and global crises. So that kind of brings us to this other crisis that we haven't really spoken about. And I, I don't know how much time. We probably don't have a lot of time to get into it. But I do want to say that um, it's important to acknowledge the injustices that have happened in our world and this is nothing new we're just seeing more of it we're seeing more of it because people have cameras now um, and it's time that it stopped it's time that we all stood up everybody regardless of your age ethnicity color gender preferences religion stood up for each other and just as we put the mask on ourselves to protect other people we need to speak up for people who can't speak up for themselves. How do you manage this type of crisis? This is so a, deeply rooted. This is a bigger crisis, but I have to say I am seeing things come out of it already that are giving me hope. Um, and some of those things are that organizations have stepped up and and been very vocal about the fact that they believe that Black Lives Matter. Um, they have taken a strong stance against racism. Um, they have changed their practices. Who would have thought, you know, today, right now, there's a NASCAR race happening. It's a Sunday when we're recording this. And who would have ever thought that NASCAR would outlaw Confederate flags? Mm. This is big. This is huge. Uh, the way that different organizations are taking a look at the messages they've been sending and and so you have you know the Cleveland Indians and the Washington Redskins finally looking at changing their names to something else you have statues that people think well there it's history why don't we leave them there well what if you were Jewish and there were Hitler statues all around you do you think that would make you feel good we have to put ourselves in other people's shoes and we have to right the wrongs. Um, and it's going to take a lot. I can tell you that what I've seen from what people are starting to do is a step in the right direction. There are those people, though, and I, I hate to say that I see a direct correlation between the people denying that, that COVID-19 is an issue or the same people denying. They're saying that um, they uh, they will not buy into the narrative that uh, systemic racism exists. I know, and, uh, and it's not about a narrative. It's about the facts. It's about science. It's about statistics. It's about the numbers. And if you look at the actual data on both of these crises, it's obvious that it's real. It's obvious that we need to do something. Yeah. When you start talking about numbers, it always takes me back to the quote that I've learned early on in my, my years when it comes to st statistics and numbers. It's like, you know, Figures don't lie. Liars figure. Mm. And they figure out a way to, to, to get out of things. Um, and they skew the data. 
when they want to make the data say what they want it to say. Right. It's kind of like me being a pastor. A lot of people want to get the text to say what they want the text to say rather than exegete and pull out of the text what it really says. Well, and I hate to say that I've seen people use religion falsely to justify their behavior and my god doesn't care what your skin color is my god wants me to treat people with respect and dignity and honor and speak up for people who have been um, pushed aside who've been marginalized who've been uh, discriminated against who who have not had the same opportunities as other people my God wants me to do that. And my God also wants me to be responsible with COVID. My, my God does not want me to go and think that, oh, God will save us from this. No, you have a personal responsibility, responsibility. right? You have a responsibility to take care of other people by wearing something over your face. It's not that hard to do. And, um, and, and then being responsible when you, you you're need to be around people for whatever reason, being very responsible. Because if we don't change our ways, this is not going to go away in 30 days, in 60 days, or 90 days. It's going to be with us and I think forever. <laughs> based upon where you've taken us with talking about your God, and I, I, I look at yeah. that and, and, and my God too, and it boils down to this. It's one word. And we have to understand because we use this word so loosely. Um, and that word is love. Yes. You know, it, it boils down to love, but we use that word just, oh, I love ice cream or I love doing this. But when you look at it from a biblical perspective and, you know, I make no bones about it. I talk about things from a Christian worldview. So I let my audience know that. But when you look at the word that is used as love, it's the, the word agape which is unconditional it's true love and i often tell people you know i i i experience you know some of the systemic race racism you know look on my website for my listening audience and for those of you who hear me from the first time i'm a black man you know but i i've grown up with it dealing with it having to have those conversations you know with my son what do you do at night i've been pulled over because you know i've experienced it it's just you know, it's so, um, what do I say, it's just so prevalent yeah. that it's just a way of life. It just seems natural um, to have to go through those things. But what I'm saying is, I often tell people this, getting back to love, you can legislate laws all you want to, but you can't legislate love. And until we love each other, I mean, truly, genuinely love, um, things are not going to change. Right. That's, that's just the way, you know, I see it because love is it. Love, you know, conquers all. But if you don't love me, you're not going to care about me. And first I want to say, Vincent, I'm, I'm sorry for any profiling or discrimination you, you've experienced. I, I'm a white woman. Um, and, and she, you know, full disclosure, she's my sister. <laughs> we are, we are brother and sister though, actually. I mean, we, <laughs> we have, we've called each other brother and sister, sister for yeah. years. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I believe with all my heart that as long as we keep an us versus them mentality about any of this, mm -hmm. that love is not going to solve things, right? Love is not involved when we look at us versus them. So for example, you mentioned law enforcement. Yes, there are some horrible, horrible law enforcement, former law enforcement officers, <laughs> thankfully, now. And there probably still are some. They need to go. They need to be out of this field. It's a field where power and control are easy to access. And personally, I know many people in law enforcement who are really good people. Yes. Uh, and they're different ages and ethnicities and colors and genders. And, and, they're, and they're good people and they, they're horrified about the things that we're seeing most recently you know that's making the news even though it happened longer ago was with elijah and that just absolutely breaks my heart all of this breaks my heart but what i want to say is that law enforcement is a microcosm of our society and so we unfortunately have had discrimination and prejudice and profiling and marginalization in every aspect of society against people of color 
um, from from lending to housing to education to uh, criminal justice system to you name it. There is nowhere that racism has escaped. And, and it really, in my opinion, is because people haven't approached it, it with love. It has been an us versus them mentality. So I, I don't think that the solution is to target law enforcement. I have seen oh, innocent no. law enforcement officers, really good people, be gunned down because they represent now this thing that's bad and evil. But it's not just about them. It's about it's our about whole world. Our whole world and what the real what issue is. What the real is. issue is. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We, we begin to focus on what I call symptoms yes. <laughs> rather than the actual problem. Right. Implicit uh, bias. Yeah. And, and it exists in every culture. I've been to 87 countries and I've yet to to visit one or to live in one where there wasn't this problem. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but people are marching everywhere. Oh, it's every, I mean, everywhere. It's, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. You know, I would watch the news channels at night. I watch watch pretty much all of them from yeah you got to be careful though right because overwatching yeah i, I don't overwatch to, but i have good. to try to keep abreast of what, I, I, I of, try to do the same of, of I, what's going on yeah. but after a while it just becomes inundated and they run the, the same stories yeah you know and so it, it's a lot it is you know but it's an opportunity as well hmm. huge opportunity huge yeah to huge. pivot our world in ways that people have only dreamed about for generations to make right but does everybody want to make that pivot? no though? they don't and, and 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 i say that because no unfortunately it, they don't <laughs> <laughs> you know i say that because you know people don't want to give up power and I control know. they don't i mean it just you just don't want to give it up mm -hmm. and so that's why i say you know with this pivoting and that means if I, we're going to make this pivot that means there's power that i have to to give up in that's order right. to make this shift and do I want to shift? You know, do people want to shift? But then there's sometimes that you're forced to shift. Mm -hmm. I think people are being forced to shift. And I also think people are waking up to, I think that there have been people out there who denied <laughs> and they're starting to see the light. I still think there's always going to be a segment of our population, probably 20%, <laughs> you know. You got to go back to Pareto. <laughs> right? You got to go back uh, to Pareto. Who are, who, no matter what you do, no matter what data you show them, no matter, no matter what benefits you tell them they're going to have by having, you know, opportunity for all, they don't, they just don't care about anyone but themselves. And they're not they they don't have the mindset of they are their brother's keeper they have the mindset of i'm gonna live my life and it's about my rights and freedoms it's not about i don't really care about you i don't care about you yeah. um and, and that's just sad to me because there's no love in that at all no love at all and if you know if it's the we against us and when yeah everybody goes away and you're alone what are you gonna do right what are you gonna do we could continue on with this ah. <laughs> but it's it's been great. Any last words, recommendations on managing in times of crisis? I think in the world that we're living in right now, I just want you to really look at this as an opportunity rather than something that's forced on you. Look at the big picture. Make sure that you are communicating well with others and with yourself adapt to new methods of productivity, adapt to new methods of the way that you even uh, take care of yourself. I know personally I used to get massages all the time because I, you know, I'm like, nope, not gonna, I'm not going to do that right now. Um, and then use this time, this pause, as an opportunity to really take a close look at who you are and who you want to be and use the time that you've been given the gift of time to sit down and come up with steps to get you to where you need to be whether it's learning something new whether it's connecting in different way ways whether it's opening your mind to what had been closed previously use this time as a gift to become a better version of yourself Wow. 
That was a mouthful. I love it. The pause, which is the time that you have. Take advantage of every opportunity while you're in the state of rest. The pause to become resilient, to accomplish all that you need to do. That's why I love my sister. She's just, <laughs> she's just so good. Likewise, my brother. <laughs> wow, it, it has been such a pleasure having you back here, sharing your insight, your wisdom, your knowledge, straight from the heart, because you indeed love. And I can say that because I know that and I've experienced that. And I want to thank you so very much for being who you are and who you are to me and in my life. Thank you for having me here, and thank you for the leader you are and all the positive influence that you've had on so many people. And I really admire who you are and what you're doing to help other people be who they need to be. Well, thank you so very much. And we're going to get ready to close. Uh, I hear the music in the background. Well, you know, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's been good. You know, we talked about a whole lot of stuff, but in this time of the pause, focus on what matters most to you. You've been listening to Mr. Speaker right here on Mr. Speaker Speaks. And today I've been speaking and listening to Dr. Gabrielli speak. You know, take advantage of everything you've heard. Because remember, in all that you do, be magnificent. Until next time, be good. Be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone. That means you gotta love them. <laughs>